Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with the lovely Tamar Rothenberg. She is a registered dietitian who went through her own health journey with breast cancer and discovered her passion for nutrition working with her personal dietitian on her own road to recovery. She is now helping others navigate their nutrition after their breast cancer diagnosis, and I think it sets sets a tone for who Tamar is as a person. So please enjoy my conversation with Tamar. Thrilled to have you on the podcast today. I admire the great work that you do in the social media interwebs, and um, I've always wanted just kind of to chat with you more. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's really great you're giving this platform to dietitians and lifting us up. It's really a good feeling. I, you know, why not, right? I feel like we need it a little bit. <laughs> dietitians need always need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we get started? Let's go, let's go back to, let's kind of wherever you kind of started crossing paths with being a dietitian. When did that come on your radar? How did you get interested? Well, actually, it's a really lovely story because um, I didn't start out as a dietitian. And I always tell people, you know, you can switch careers. It's fine. It's not forever. But um, I actually started, I was a medic to begin with, but I never thought I'd go in that direction. That was like, you know, when I was very young, when I was 18. And then, um, then I decided I wanted to be a journalist, so I went into that. And then I finally went into high tech, which I absolutely loved. And so I was there for, um, you know, 15 years, really enjoyed it, learned a lot, and, you know, became very comfortable with software and hardware. <laughs> and, um, and then I did get breast cancer, and that was a big shock because no one had it in our family. Mm. Um, and I thought, no one, you know, no one um, get, gives me the whole picture. You know, each person has like a little fact they can give you, but I don't have the whole picture here. So I went through cancer care, and then uh, I met with uh, two different dietitians, and I just was amazed at you know their level of knowledge and how they helped and I had never been to one before so uh, one of them was like extremely helpful her name is Jody Newsom she's a CSO a specialist in oncology and uh, you know we were going through sessions uh, me as the patient and one day she said to me you know you can do this I'm like what (laughs) she said yeah you could really help people like she put it in that way Uh, like as a, you know, a nurturing type of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first thought was, oh, you know, I'm too old to go back to school. And then, so she, she, she didn't hesitate. She went and printed up all the, you know, prep courses I need to take. And she's like, look, you can do this. There's five, six courses here and you could be done because I already had a, a bachelor's in English, but she said, you could be done with your master's in two, three years and then you're done. So, uh, you know, I started percolating about that and uh, 
I did have my husband's support, which is always very good. And then, but I still wasn't sure. So <laughs> I went, I had an elderly neighbor who I absolutely adored. And she was a, uh, she had been a teacher for, you know, 30 years. And then she didn't want to retire. So she became a tour guide at a museum. So I went, I thought she'd be the person, you know, the person to ask. So I went to ask her, what do you think about going back to school? <laughs> and she's like, Tamar, time's going to pass anyway. Do what you love. Oh. And um, she clinched it for me. And I thought, okay, I'll see what happens. And, and then, of course, in California, even if you have, have had science classes, if it's past 10 years, you have to retake all of them. No. So, yes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that was a big shock to my brain. I also, you know, I just want to point out, I did have still a little bit of chemo brain and fogginess. And, oh, sure. um, and uh, one oncologist I worked with said, oh, I couldn't do that. And I said, you know, it's not medical school. It's really important and it's great information, but it's not like 20 years of medical school. Right. So um, it just felt right. And, uh, you know, it was really nice to go back and, uh, and get the support. Nobody really cared about my age and it was nice. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, a couple of things. I mean, you go through this very, you know, crazy health condition that you have yeah. to navigate. And then you meet this human that this does something special for you that, you know, really transformed your, I'm assuming your healing process and, you know, getting through cancer. And then you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do this now for a living. I mean, that's yeah. pretty awesome. It, it is awesome. It's, it is a, like I said, a, a lovely story. And so really as dietitians, you never know who you're going to impact. Um, I did, uh, I did teach university nutrition for about two years and, you know, I had students come up to me and say, I really want to study this. And I was like, I felt really good about that. Like, you know, this is something doable for you and you could really help people. I positioned it in that way, too. Mm -hmm. And I think people just really like to hear they're making a difference. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, when you think about your journey of even your own health and how that you would have never known about that if you wouldn't have gone through what you went through and never had that experience. Right. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like you don't love being brought to something, but then you're like, wow, being brought to this led to this. Yeah. So I, I do quote a lot. I love this book, uh, Rowing North, uh, where she says, you know, I'm just sick of these effing growth experiences. So <laughs> There is that too. <laughs> that yeah, I like. I mean, that's definitely a much more realistic context, right? <laughs> right. You can you can keep both thoughts at the same time. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Was it hard? Like when you were in the classes and stuff, though, did you feel like you were where you should be? Well, it was really interesting because I. I thought would, my age would be a bigger deal than it was. And then all of a sudden I realized because I had a degree in English, people were coming to me for advice on writing papers. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I know something here. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, and then I, I really knew about deadlines from working in high tech. And that's important. Like, just get it done, get it out. You know, um, that's important for schoolwork sometimes. So, 
all those things were, you know, I brought all that with me and uh, it was, it was almost fun. Almost <laughs> you know, fun. That's almost funny. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Your skill sets, though, like you said, that, you know, even though you had nothing to do with healthcare in your previous jobs, it's yeah. still like that skill set carries over into future. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I still enjoy deadlines, actually. I give myself deadlines and sometimes you just need them, you know. Yes, uh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so when you you got, you end up getting your master's, did you focus in any specific area, or did you just kind of do a general nutrition master's? Um, no, I did. Well, I did the RD track, so I got my master's in nutrition, did, then did the coordinated dietetic program, which luckily was part of the degree. Nice. I didn't have to go somewhere else. Yeah, and then. Um, and that was it. And I did my internship in various places. One of them was long-term care, which I thought I would go into. But then, you know, when I actually started working in it, I'm like, you know, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> but um, I, I, it wasn't that so much. It was more like, I don't think that's going to be the future. Um, I think home health care, there'll be more emphasis mm -hmm. on that. They're already starting that in New York. Um, and people really want to be home when they're yeah. sick, you know, so I think that's where things will eventually go. I agree. I definitely see like, that's a huge area that home health, even like for our profession, that's a huge area that can really be something to tap into. Right. Exactly. Um, especially, uh, you know, for people who are vets, it's very important. They do get home health care at no cost. So all those things are, are very helpful. So after health or after long-term care, when you were like, Nope, this isn't for me. What did, <laughs> what did you kind of move on into next? Well, then I was, uh, I started taking uh, business courses and things like that. And it was all about, you need to niche down, you need to niche down. So I, it took me a while. What I did was again, having that, journalist background, I went and interviewed private practice RDs to see what's your specialty, what do you do day to day. Um, I saw their offices, what they, what was in their offices. You know, it was just very helpful. And I, I'm telling you, RDs are amazing. They never shut the door on you. They're like, yeah, come in tomorrow. <laughs> and they love to chat it up. And it was so helpful. And they were very encouraging. They were like, yeah, you could do this. And uh, my first few clients, I talked to them and they're like, follow your gut. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> can you do that? <laughs> um, but they were right. Like, like, be confident, you know, trust your trust, your your knowledge and how to apply it. And and I learned so much. So I think that was very helpful. Just if you're thinking of private practice to really, really sit down, have lunch with somebody and talk about it. I would agree. I think you do need to actually, and I think that's a very good message. You know, even a, I think we think about going and shadowing like a clinical dietitian or a long-term care, like those right. kind of dietitians, but we don't think about shadowing a private practice dietitian. Cause we all think, I feel like we all envision people just sitting at home, you know, having their lattes and maybe doing a few <laughs> appointments and maybe doing this, you know what I mean? But there's you mean a lot it's of not that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, mean, it I must be doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I mean, it's a real business. And so you have to right. kind of see the variety of how that's being conducted. So that really tickled your fancy then. You kind of like that private practice setting. I did like it. I think it also, it's my personality. When I was working in high tech, you got a project, um, you know, maybe you worked as a team, but you had to pull your weight. You had to meet those deadlines and um, everything you did mattered. So I learned a lot from that. And uh, I just felt like I could do this, though it was a little scary, of course, going into private practice, like where you're going to get clients from and things like that. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that confidence really helps. Just like throw yourself in. I do think those business classes help me everything from social media to setting up a private practice. There's so many forms and things you need to know. Um, I decided at the beginning, well, I still don't, I don't take insurance because it's usually not covered anyway, uh, especially if I'm not in a clinic. So uh, I fill kind of the gap where, um, you know, where they're not getting nutrition care it could be during, it could be before, and it could be after. So um, clinical dietitians uh, work a little differently. They're in the clinic and they're dealing with, you know, they're amazing, but they're dealing with side effects that are happening day to day. And then, uh, you know, thrivers who have been through cancer care want more questions in depth, and there's usually not enough time in the clinic to deal with that. So... I sort of fill that gap, but uh, I always encourage if there's a clinical dietitian to start there. Absolutely. Well, just for like the coverage part, like you said, too, if they're available. And so you kind of went right into, I mean, you kind of knew like, I want to work with cancer patients. Do you specifically just work with breast cancer patients or do you kind of have a whole bunch of cancer patients that you Uh, work with? No, so my focus is really the hormonal or non-hormonal cancers like uh, breast and ovarian. Those are kind of my specialties. Even with cancer care, it's really hard um, to know everything about every type of cancer and the medications, the chemotherapy. So I was most familiar and I felt that's where uh, thrivers' needs are not being met for the most part. Um, you know, when you're done with cancer care, you they go like, well, see you in three months. And you're like, but I don't feel good. <laughs> Do they really so, like they're kind of like, yeah. see you later. And yeah. well, that's that's crazy. I could not imagine. Well, because there's that. no it's crazy, <laughs> but they're right. There's no funding. Um, they don't need, uh, you know, that day to day care anymore. And that's really a little frightening to patients because you've been told every step of the way what to do, how to deal with side effects. And then suddenly you're like, okay, <laughs> you, wow. you're done, yeah. but you're not done. You're nowhere near done. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, for your own experience, so you knew how it was for you. So that's where you're trying to fill in that gap now. Yeah. And I remember asking that question when I was finished, I'm like, is there any kind of survivorship program? And, and, you know, and I had the most amazing medical team. um, And they would say like, well, I think there's a yoga class somewhere. (laughs) 
Oh like, my gosh. That's not going to cut it. <laughs> no. So now it's, it is a little better now. There's a lot more focus. The clinical guidelines do recommend survivorship programs, but you don't have funding to back it up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be from the clinic that is funding it, which, you know, it's not exactly a huge priority. And then, um, and then you have uh, nonprofits that do an amazing job, like Cancer Support Community and I work with a nonprofit, Show Share It. Um, they're all amazing, and it, it's totally dependent on grants and fundraising. So it's not so easy. That's, I don't know. That that makes me sad. Like I, yeah. I mean, like again, you're in the field, and so you really you know what's happening. And for some of us that aren't in the field, like it's so interesting to hear that there is so much missing from that care. It is hard. And, uh, but, you know, there is more of a push, as I said, it's definitely built into the guidelines right now. So once, once it's in the guidelines, then it gets a little easier to get the funding, but um, it is an issue. Yeah. And I hear it all the time. I I hear it every day. Like nobody told me that, (laughs) you know, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you went into private practice that, so again, like private practice, like you said, is scary. So how did you kind of navigate the beginning of getting your feet off the ground, finding your clients? You know, what did you do to make yourself? I mean, I know you do a great job on social media. Like I, you do an awesome job on social, your videos and all the things that you educate with. I'm like, I wish I was as creative as she was. If she is, I should say. So is that, was that part of your platform or how? How did you create this whole kind of business for yourself? That's so funny you say that because I'm like making it up as I go along. <laughs> you do like, awesome. <laughs> thank you. Um, I have no idea with the algorithm what's going to pick up. You know, I have right. basic ideas, but who knows? But I, I just I just work it like I, I hope I'm helping somebody. You know, that's all I think about it. Um, so... Um, yeah, it was very scary. I niched down. That was helpful because then I could know what to focus on. Um, and then I, there were some various courses I took. There's some great Facebook groups for dietitians, awesome ones that were very helpful. Um, a lot of freebies, you know, there was a, a couple of dietitians I actually went to school with that had started private practice and they were incredibly helpful. So all those things really, it was more like just gaining knowledge that first year. And, um, and then also at the same time, I, was, I started to learn about the whole non-diet concept, which was never taught in school, which is totally relevant to oncology because, first of all, you don't want people losing weight um, during cancer care. And then afterwards, there's a huge emphasis on size and weight when you're on medications that play havoc with your hormones. So not exactly realistic. Um, So that was a huge um, step I took and I did go for supervision with Elise Reich and, um, you know, finished up supervision with her. So all those things kind of gave me a picture of where I want to go with it. And, uh, I did sign up, I think, with some referrals and doctors, but, you know, it's really networking. That's what it goes down to. I went to a lot of conferences, talked it up. Like, you just have to do that. There's no way around it. Social media is not enough. 
You know, you have to make those connections. So uh, that's what made the difference. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about supervision? I know that some dietitians, and I, we haven't really talked about that on the podcast, but can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit more about why you chose to do that, kind of what that is and how that could be helpful for a dietitian? I think it's immensely helpful. I mean, whether it's counseling skills or a specific, you know, field that you're in or intuitive eating, you know, whatever it is, you're going to have cases that are very challenging and, uh, you're going to need help. <laughs> it's just no way around it. We're not prepared for it when we graduate. No. So uh, why not? Turn, right? Right. So why not turn to the experts? And uh, uh, I was going weekly to, uh, it just turns out that Elise, her office was, I, I couldn't not go. It was like around the corner for me, basically from where I live. So uh, I was like amazed at her depth of knowledge and how much you could learn from the group in general. So it, it was just so worth it. And I still think about it when I'm with clients, like, uh, okay, the person said this, then I, you know, will listen and maybe phrase my words this way. And it's very important to uh, with the connection with the client as well especially in cancer care, you know, it's such an authentic relationship. They're, they're hurting, they're in pain, you know, they're upset. It's a trauma. And so you have to be so careful um, not to trigger any more pain or, uh, you know, or uh, be respectful of how much they're sharing because they are sharing a huge amount. So I'm very um, cognizant of that. And it just makes you a better dietitian, right? Like the more things yeah. that you can learn, absorb, the better that you're, like you said, you're just going to be that much better at your job. Exactly. And, uh, you know, things like motivational interviewing, you know, it's very hard actually sometimes to know where the dietetic stops and the counseling begins. And I always tell people, you know, uh, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not saying this is a therapist. So we have to know our scope of practice, too. And, you know, sometimes the borders are kind of fuzzy. Oh, for sure. Like, and that's like one area that I wish that, I guess, I feel like if we changed a lot of things about our dietetic education, there would, it would be like a eight-year program, but (laughs) like the counseling part of it, like you said, yeah, 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 they are. I hope it's, I hope it's including some of these things like the counseling and the, you know, that type of part of where we do, like you said, that line is where did we start, stop with diet, like the nutrition part and then turn into that counselor. It's very tricky. <laughs> right. I mean, I did have a, a semester with motivational interviewing that was very helpful. But there's no uh, really business classes like if you're going into it's almost like you need an MBA on top of that if you're going into, you know, uh, private practice. So that's that's Agreed. a little tough. Very much agree. So can you kind of share like what is a day to day for you? I mean, minus all your lovely posts on social media. I know you do lots of other good work. Um, you know, what is what is the private practice of Tamar kind of look like on the day to day? Um, well, there's different parts to it. And, uh, you know, I'm not part of a dietetics team, so it's kind of all on me, but, um, 
I teamed up with this wonderful organization called Sharsheret, and they provide services to breast and ovarian cancers. So they got a grant from Cedar sinai which is, uh, you know, the hospital medical center here in L.A. So this organization uh, provides this free nutritional counseling for those at risk of breast or ovarian or um, they're, what they're called previvors that are at high risk or um, during cancer care or in recovery. And it's an amazing thing. There isn't any program like it. So uh, there's two dietitians, me and another dietitian, Rachel Beller. She has a group one and I have the one-in-one. So we meet um, with each client uh, for an hour intake and then two uh, follow-up sessions. And they can continue to work with me privately as well. But they're, you know, free. I mean, there's so much financial toxicity with cancer care. So this is amazing. And uh, the patients are wonderful to work with. They're really motivated and, you know, just grateful that this is there for them. Wow, that's awesome. And how many, how many patients do you kind of go through the program then within like a year's time? Um, I found this on the web. Oops. Um, it depends. It could, you know, we have cohorts. I'm not sure I can give that information because it's oh, kind sure. of private. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. So yeah. we'll leave it at that. But yep. yeah. No, that's fine. And I mean, it, it, at least it's out there. It exists. And is it, this is something that's specifically to your region that you live in, correct? So it's not like a it's, national program or. Well, there is some out of state spots. So, okay. you know, so it's worth applying. But it, it is mostly L.A. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then if they go through the program and they want to work with you privately, then that's when you kind of take this into your private practice business outside right. of this area. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And uh, I hope it continues. So what is the biggest thing that when you work with your clients, what is kind of like your top two things that is a common education piece that you see with most of your patients that you need to educate them on? Uh, well, first of all, <laughs> it's, it goes both ways. They educate me too. Oh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I actually learn like, what's the biggest myth out there? I always think I'm on top of things, but I'm not. There's always a new one. So a lot of it is myth busting, really. There's so much bad, bad information especially on breast cancer and, you know, nutrition uh, that leads them astray and causes more anxiety. It's just terrible. So one is a lot of myth busting and answering a lot of questions, which is I love to do anyway. And then the second thing is a lot of like, you know, I call it food anxieties. You know, if I eat this, is it going to make my cancer worse um, or you know, cause recurrence. That's a huge fear, um, justifiably. So those are the kind of the two things we need to work on before we move on to um, any kind of behavior change, you know, or getting motivated to, um, you know, find foods that agree with you and, you know, get you stronger and help your recovery. Sure. Well, yeah. And like you mentioned, all the 
all the myth busting. Oh my gosh. I don't know how you stay up on all of it because <laughs> it is just, it's crazy what's out there as far as, you know, try this, do this, take this. I can't even imagine what someone does. When and you went through it personally, did you have that same experience? I don't know. I think maybe because I was a journalist, I could kind of sniff out. Sure. Uh, even though I didn't have the background yet, like this sounds bogus. But now it's worse. Now it's really hard to tell because there's a little bit of truth, possibly. And the rest is just BS and, you know, just makes you more anxious about what to eat. And I see some of the top people on social media who you would think are respectable, you know, spouting this stuff. Right. <laughs> um, it's very hard to hear because, you know, people like he may have, a, he or she may have an MD degree. So you're fighting that. And, you know, uh, I, it's very hard. That is hard. And you see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a study that uh, one in three, well, most articles about cancer care and nutrition are wrong, something like 75%. But one in three of those are harmful, not just wrong. So, you know, especially you have to look behind the scenes. They're probably selling something, some kind of supplement line of theirs. Oh, sure. So, Yeah. So you're like, you're like the yeah. buster police for them, for your patients. <laughs> I really am. A lot of my presentations, I give a lot of presentations are like, uh, I'm like, well, what do you want to talk about? And they're like, myth busting. <laughs> so, you're like, done. So yeah, I got that. <laughs> um, but, and then when I give the presentations, I also learn more because they, by the questions, I could tell that, oh, there's something new out there, <laughs> you know? Whatever it oh, is. Yeah, uh, something else is going to pop up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, besides the usual alkaline water and, you know, whatever it is, there's there's a new one. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Always something. So besides your clients, then you do some presentations. Obviously, what else is in part of your private practice? Um, well, I did a clinical study about two, three years ago already. That was amazing. And that was funded through AICR, American Institute for Cancer Research. Um, and that was a program for you know, survivorship. And they were mostly breast cancer, but there were some other types of cancers. And that was through Cancer Support Community of LA. So I learned so much. I learned how to give food demos and talk to people and answer questions. Um, you know, it was an amazing experience. And I had an intern with me that was so good. And she went on to become, uh, she went into nursing in the end, but she went into oncology. So that was nice. And I worked with a psychologist. We, we were kind of a duo doing this clinical trial and it was published in nutrients uh, about a year and a half ago. So Ooh. that was really nice <laughs> to have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, of course I have the copies of the paper everywhere, <laughs> so wherever I look in my office, <laughs> but I'm very proud of that. And um, that was through actually a program that was developed by another dietitian, Jeannie Petrucci, who has the living plate program. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's really into education and food culinary demos. So 
I learned so much and the curriculum was amazing. You know, like you had everything uh, there that you needed, but we were learning as we were going, like what worked didn't hit the mark so much. So, uh, and then just to be part of a clinical trial, like for me, that was just the height of my career, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that was great. That's awesome. What, so how did, well, when it comes to like clinical trials, how do you become part of that? Like, how did you, did someone reach out to you? Was it just part of your experiences that you were connecting with? Well, I connected with Jeannie on, I think she was looking to have another site in LA because they had a site in New Jersey already. And I'm like, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm here. And yeah, here we are. So uh, we connected and it was great. It was just such a, I'm very grateful for her to doing this. Um, And they needed this clinical trial to see if this uh, program uh, met the marks for, you know, a survivorship program. So, but then it was supposed to go live. um, But then COVID hit. So we kind of left, uh, I think they were thinking of doing it virtually, but really um, they realized it probably wouldn't work that well virtually because the, the support was very, very helpful for people, the live support. So, and the food, of course, we were cooking and giving samples. So, you know, there's that whole emotional connection with food that you don't get on Zoom. Uh, so I think we have to wait and see what happens when... Uh, uh, it's safer for Absolutely. for cancer patients, especially. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. See, it's all about those connections we make, right? It's all about uh, those absolutely. connections. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that you do in your private practice that you'd like to share? Uh, well, I wrote a book during COVID. So that was I was great. waiting for you to say yeah. that. Yes, I know. It's like, is she going to bring up her book? Hello? <laughs> I mean, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Tell I me still, about I'm your like, book. what? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's, it's just like everything I wanted to do. I poured my heart into it. Uh, the publisher was great. They wanted everything evidence-based, so I had to have a million references which then in the end they said you have too many we can't references so i was very grateful for that yeah and um and it was fun like you work with people all over the country in new york you know midwest wherever the editors were um it was it was a great group to work with and then to come and i oh and my recipe developer was a dietitian i know carrie uh, who's an amazing chef too. So uh, we worked together very closely and just came out with these great recipes. And I'm very proud of it because, um, you know, it's kind of a non-judgmental book to get you through cancer care, uh, eat what you can. Um, the only thing, the only food I don't have in it is red meat because there's just too much evidence around it, you know, in terms of uh cancer causing effects. So everything else was fine. And uh, yeah, and then it's been fun, you know, promoting it. And uh, I, uh, I've given it as a giveaway for certain things, you know, certain um, cancer groups. It's just a great thing to have. And, uh, and it's really funny, because sometimes I have a client, uh, and 
they'll say, oh, wait, I have a surprise for you. And they show me the book. <laughs> they bought the book. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. And what's the title of your book? Um, it's called uh, <laughs> Cancer Diet for the Newly Diagnosed and Integrative Guide for uh, and Cookbook for Treatment and Recovery. I love it. I love it. We'll put the link of that into the show notes too, if there's anyone. Because again, as dietitians, we can use other dietitians as resources when we don't have you right next to us to help us with our patients. So that sounds like an awesome resource for dietitians to use with their practice as well. Yeah. And I hope to have another book coming out. That that's what, that one is going to be specifically on breast cancer. So, you know, that I, I hope will be very helpful as well. Well, and as you should, because you are a survivor. So that's important. I mean, like, I, w- I would trust a book from someone that's a dietitian and a breast cancer survivor any day. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't feel like you have to, you know, have the condition you're treating. But it, in this case, I think it was very helpful because I understand the emotions swirling around, you know, when, go- when you're waiting for diagnosis or whatever it is. Um, I can really connect um, to that in a way that maybe, you know, uh, there are oncologists who uh, I've read books, like when, once they got cancer and became a patient, it was a whole different experience, you know, oh, sure. even though they're working in cancer care for years. So, yeah. Absolutely. And what kind of things are you, you said, like, again, like your future, I was going to ask, what are you working on for the future? So book number two, anything else that you're really excited about for the future? Well, for the future, I think if I write a second book, oh, if I write a second book, that's good enough for me. You know, that's everything (laughs) I've wanted to do. That's my bucket list. So I'm not saying there isn't anything more, but uh, I'm just, you know, it just really helped my confidence and of course working with uh patients and that's every patient I work with I learn from them and I learn about myself and my my you know my style of working with people so it's all just you know incredibly uh motivating and uh I don't know I have everything good to say you know you make of it what you can, whatever your niche is or whatever you choose in dietetics, uh, you can really do a lot with it, I feel. And maybe I'm too la-la about it because <laughs> I've heard no. people, um, you know, get upset about things. But that's the way I feel. Well, and I think that, you know, as long as you're checking off things on your bucket list, you're doing things that you love, you're, you know, obviously you love this profession because you really chose it as well, you know, after all your other careers. I think, I mean, what else can you ask for at the end of the day? (laughs) Sounds amazing. (laughs) And writing a book is exhausting. So I think that's a great future goal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a, a COVID was perfect for that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't go out. <laughs> Let me write yeah. a book. Let's write so a book. <laughs> that was very helpful. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> well, I think all the things that you're doing are fantastic. I love again, like I love your social media. I love that you have 
created this expertise and this niche that really is something you're passionate about. I think that's amazing. Did you, one last question about your career. Did you decide to get this, is there a specialty certification for oncology? Did you decide to do that with the academy? Yes. So there is a specialty called CSO uh, and that's a specialist, certified specialist in oncology which I would have loved to, but you have to work clinical hours uh, to oh. get those. They don't apply to private practice. So well, that's I'm okay. Not fair. You know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm okay with that because I really only deal with one or two types of cancer, not the whole, you know, array sure. of uh, conditions. So I would have liked to. I did get, you know, another certification in vegetarian nutrition, which has been very helpful. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was good. That's um, a good option. I would have never thought of that. Yeah, I because I, I do love it. And, uh, you know, there's, again, a lot of misinformation around vegetarian or vegan. And uh, patients who are thinking of going vegetarian or vegan, um, you don't have to, but they're interested in it. I totally admire CSOs and the work they're doing. They're just incredibly knowledgeable and helpful. That's well, and that's good to think outside of the box. And, you know, maybe there is another option that's, you know, for somebody that can be helpful, like the vegetarian one, too. Never would have thought of that. That's a good point. I like yeah. it. <laughs> well, probably diabetes would be helpful, too. But uh, yeah. I don't have that many um, patients with that. But, you know, there are medications that raise your blood sugar and things like that. So I sure. did learn the basics, but I, I don't have a specialty in that. Well, I think you have a great background the way it is. So it's not that you have to have specialties, right? It just, again, enhances your education if you feel like you need it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for, you answered all my easy questions. Are you ready <laughs> for my hard questions? <laughs> Wait, I can't hear you. No, go ahead. <laughs> She's like, bye. Um, will you share with me some foods that you enjoy? Uh, I really, I enjoy most foods, but I have a particular love of, um, Mideastern food, like, you know, a good hummus and a warm pita, you know, that's Mm. kind of my comfort food. Um, you know, so that's where I go. Of course I love desserts too, but really I have more of an emotional connection to, uh, Mideastern food. So those are my, those are my loves. They're delicious, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about beverages that you enjoy? Uh, well, there's another there's another drink they drink a lot in the Mideast. It's called Lemonana, and it's a lemonade with nana mint. Really mm. delicious and refreshing. You know, it's hot there. So, uh, and they don't make it overly sweet uh, there like they do, like they would here in the U.S. So, it's really good. You actually get a taste the flavor of the lemonade. Yes. And the mint. yes. <laughs> right. They're big on mint. You know, they'll, yes. they'll use large amounts of it. Yeah. I love mint. Yes. That's <laughs> delicious. I, there is a place down the street for me that has a tea lemonade like that and they put fresh mm. mint and it's, it's probably not as good as when you have it, you know, actually there, but it is pretty good. So yeah. I kind of have it. I kind of know what you're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what about scents or smells that you enjoy? 
So uh, when we moved to LA and I moved into this house we are now, that I um, I planted a passion fruit vine. It's amazing. Mm. It grows like crazy. Um, so I had no idea how good it smelled. If you open one up, your whole room smells like, you know, a tropical forest. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing. I mean, it's a really weird fruit to look at. Like, you can't believe anybody eats it, but it's delicious. Yeah. Um, well, now you but have the your smell own. is intoxicating. <laughs> yeah. I just love it. Like, oh, it's right here. <laughs> so, That's but now funny. we have a drought. So I'm a little worried. We'll see how it goes. Oh, gosh. I hope you don't yeah. lose it. I hope you. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I've heard it's a little dry out there. Oh, it's terrible. It's, yeah. It's, I can't, yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah, like it it's is. unprecedented. It's that warm there right now. So, gosh, I hope it gets better. Yeah, it's, yeah. I had to finally, I installed AC in my office. They never had it before. Oh, wow. But I, I'm like, this is unbearable. So I, I'm very lucky I have it now. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, what is something about you that a lot of people don't know? Uh, well, I grew up on a farm. You did? <laughs> I did. Not in the U.S., in Israel. So it was a great experience. And I think that's where I developed my love of food and all things plant foods. And uh, all about food waste I learned, like, you know, connection to animals. So um, it was it was a great experience. Yeah. So like grew a lot of your own foods, like fruits and vegetables and had like basically lived off your farm kind of situation. Yeah. I mean, you forget how good, you know, fruits and vegetables are when you buy them in the supermarket. They, you know, I'm not going to knock it because it's important we have them, but um, they've been there for a while. They've been traveling a long distance probably. And there it's an entirely different flavor. Yes. You know. <laughs> For sure. Well, now it makes sense of why you like the types of foods that you like, too, because you grew up. How long yeah. were you? How long did you live there? Um, about eight years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So kind of yeah. formable age. Like, you, how old were you? Yeah, I did high school there. Okay. Um, so that Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it's hard to... Uh, you know, that connection to food is so important, but, you know, it's hard to not judge the, even though I understand there's a place for all the food production here, but we literally never ate anything out of, unheard of, you know, for snack, you mm -hmm. have an orange and, and maybe some almonds. Like it wasn't like this easy food that you see now that is so palatable and uh, I do see a place for it, of course, uh, but and I don't judge anybody for eating it. It's very important, but it's a different world, and uh, we do need to get back to more enjoying the flavors of food and really tasting food. Yes, I agree because it does taste really good. Like an orange is delicious. <laughs> I mean, like I know, right? <laughs> just an orange—that's all you need. It's delicious, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's and true. what bring, what brings you joy in life tomorrow? Uh, well, I, I, you know, really just having a good friend to laugh about everything, <laughs> especially during COVID or whatever it is. Uh, 
you, you just have to have someone to share a laugh with. Uh, otherwise, it's just life is too hard if you don't. <laughs> so I agree. I love that. Yeah, I feel like you have a few of those. <laughs> um, well, it helps if they have a dog because I'm a what do you call them? A dog, a god dogger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> to one of my friend's dogs, and she's really our therapy dog. Uh, so Aww. she comes here a lot. She came here a lot during COVID. The dog almost came on her own, like she knew how to get here. Oh, that's adorable. It was very cute. And I have a gate, and the dog didn't care. She just leaped through the gate to oh, come see me. <laughs> I'm like, we all need this dog. Oh my <laughs> so. gosh. That is such a great, that's a great connection just to an yeah. animal. And the, the animal loves you back. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Well, I'm glad that you have those great connections. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing your story and your journey so far. And congratulations on your book and all the great things that you're doing and your future book. I'm excited to see when that comes out and we'll connect all those links to all your goodies in the show notes. And thank you so much. Thank you. I, I just love that there's a podcast that focuses on us as dietitians and professionals and you know it's so important to lift ourselves up so well, thank i'm you glad you this. found us i'm glad you found us tomorrow <laughs> see here's another instagram connection there you go Hi, i know <laughs> that's so great that's so great all right thanks so much thanks again take care I think it's pretty awesome when there's a person who purposefully chooses dietetics after having a completely different career that has their own personal experience and decides that's what they want to do with the rest of their life. And I think Tamara is a perfect example of what the power is of our profession because she chose it because of her own dietitian. She chose to be a dietitian because she loved her own dietitian, which I think is amazing. Tamara has got such a great uh, background and expertise in breast cancer. She has her own book. She has her own classes. She definitely is a powerful source to learn from and educate yourself with. So if you're interested in this area of dietetics, definitely connect with her, especially on social media. And you can find all of those contacts in the show notes. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.